Alrighty, so hello everyone. Welcome to the Global Disease Biology Practicum Pods. In this podcast series, we will be talking about practicum projects with current and former GDB students. All students in the major are required to complete a practicum project before graduation. This project involves students finding a faculty mentor, conducting research under the mentor's guidance, and turning their research experiences into a publishable scientific manuscript. Tune in to Practicum Pods to learn more about research, mentors, and the GDB Practicum experience. Okay, so welcome to the podcast. I am your host. I'm a global disease biology peer advisor, and my name is Indira. I use she and her pronouns, and today I am joined on the show by the lovely Elizabeth Roth. Elizabeth is a current student, and their practicum title is Population Genetics and Insecticide Resistance in 80s Egypti Mosquito Populations in Orange County, California. Hi, Elizabeth. How are you doing? Good. Thanks for having me. Uh, Yeah, my title's a bit of a mouthful. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, totally. Uh, No worries. Do you mind sharing your pronouns with us really quick? Yeah, so my name is Elizabeth Roth. Uh, I'm a fifth year student here at UC Davis, and my pronouns are she, her, and hers. Perfect. It is great to have you on the pod today. So I'm going to jump right into the questions. Um, So the first one is, can you tell us a little bit more about the topic that your practicum project is on and why this topic interests you? Yeah, so I'm really interested in insects. I think they're very cool, and that's something that I have only recently come to love. Uh, so my practical project, I work with Aedes aegypti, which are a mosquito that transmit really deadly diseases such as uh, dengue fever, yellow fever, and Zika virus. Uh, so my project focuses on the population genetics of Aedes aegypti in Orange, California, Orange County, California. So prior to 2013, the Aedes aegypti three. And so in my lab, we've been working on tracking the population genetics of Aedes aegypti throughout California. So my practicum focuses on one county in Southern California, um, Orange County. And my research focuses on characterizing the population structures of Aedes aegypti in Orange County over the course of two years, 2021 and 2022, as well as seeing uh, which cluster of the Orange County which cluster the Orange County population falls in the closest with. Uh, Prior research has indicated that there's three major clusters in California. One is Fresno, Moderna, and Menlo Park. The second is Clovis, and the third is Southern California. Um, And then the last is tracking mutations in voltage-gated sodium channels, which caused or can cause resistance to pyrethroids, which are a commonly used insecticide in California. Um, And I'm really interested in the topic because uh, mosquitoes are a huge vector for diseases, and I would like to know how to control them any way I can. Cool. Well, that was a lot of sections of your research. That's really comprehensive. I feel like I can't give like a little introduction to my research without telling you a little bit of background, because if I just tell you it's about voltage-gated sodium channels, people are like, I don't know what that is. Yeah. No, it makes sense. I like the background. Um. Okay, so the next question is, how did you find your practicum mentors? So were there any resources that helped you the most as you searched for a faculty member to conduct research with? Did you just use emails? Like what methods did you use and which resources did you use, if any? Um, so finding a practicum, practicum mentor was really difficult for me because for a really long time, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I didn't know like what area of global disease I wanted to focus on um, until I took entomology classes, I took behavioral ecology of the insects and thought, wow, like 
there's a lot here. I can do something with this related to public health. Um, and from there, I kind of just looked at the faculty page of the entomology and nematology department at UC Davis and read all the little bios and emailed every single person I was interested in. I sent like upwards of like 15 emails and all of them told me no. Um, until my practical mentor, who I have now, he also told me no initially. And a few weeks later, he changed his mind. So I was lucky on that one. So it was easy for me to uh, look at the, the resource pages that we talked about in previous classes and then just email people from that list. And then I went in and met with a bunch of people and interviewed um, to see which lab I fit in best with. Okay, cool. So you said you sent 15 emails. So then about how many interviews did that lead to? Um, I think three or four. Okay. Three or four interviews. Um, although my interview with my PI wasn't an actual interview. I thought it was going to be, so I dressed all professional. And he, I sat down and he was like, hey, uh, this is the project I want you to do. And I was so surprised. Oh, cool. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Fun. Um. And I was just curious, are, are all of the people that you sent emails to in one department, like in entomology, or did you, were there people like in other departments that you were able to contact? They were mostly in the entomology and nematology department, because at this point of like finding my mentor, I knew I wanted to work with bugs. But after getting so many emails of people saying, no, but you should reach out to this professor. And I had already reached out, out to that professor and they had already told me no. Um, I started reaching out to like chemistry departments. Um, mm. And I had an interview with someone in the chemistry department. And she looked at me, she was like, you don't seem like you want to do this research. And I was like, you know, that's, that's a little bit true. So <laughs> it all worked out for me in the end, but it was a, a bit of a shocker to hear that from someone. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, at least you were honest and she was honest. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um. Yeah, sometimes I find that in interviews, you can really tell like what the goals of the professor are a little bit better than you maybe can from their website. And then you can absolutely decide if your interests align when you meet someone in person, something, mm -hmm. something that we are lucky to experience now that we're kind of out of the lockdown period of, of COVID. Yeah, seriously. I also got to judge professors, uh, uh, websites as well. I was like, oof, I don't know about this website. <laughs> I know. Honestly, I'm not going to lie to you. I judged colleges like that when I was applying to college. Oh, me too. I was like, Absolutely. this website is not for the 21st century. I'm not no. applying here. <laughs> Couldn't have hired a graphic designer for this one? Come on. Right? Oh my gosh, but... that's so funny. So our next question is um, to tell us about the type of research that you engaged in. So is this um, virtual or in-person research? Are you looking through literature? Are you doing more experiments with actual mosquitoes? So basically describe what a typical research shift looks like for you. So I do a combination of um, work on my laptop, like a lot of data analysis and wet lab stuff. So my research begins with me extracting a ton of DNA from actual samples. I get or my labs get sent samples from uh, specifically Orange County, the Orange County Vector Control District. And I, from all different cities throughout Orange County, and I have to look at mosquitoes and extract their DNA. But once I finish that work, um, it gets sent to the genomics laboratory here on campus. And that gets sent back to me with um, specific SNPs that we've chosen for my project. And I get to sit on my computer and do a lot of data cleanup and, and um, I work really heavily with R, which yeah. is something I never thought I'd be doing. Um, so it's a lot more like population genetics on my computer 
Um, so I spent about half my time in the lab doing wet lab stuff and half of it on my computer, just like sitting like a little rat in a cave. But okay, so once you get the gene, the genetics data, if you would try to explain it in <laughs> in simple terms, what do you do with it when you analyze it? So um, my lab has chosen there's about 41 single nucleotide polymorphisms that characterize the 80s Egypti populations in California. So some of them, the some of the SNPs are chosen based off of uh, like placing 80s Egypti or placing the samples into one of the three clusters. And the other part is um, voltage-gated sodium channel mutation SNPs. So once we get all of those chosen, they come back in to me in letters. So it's like, I have to go through and I have to manually put all of the C's as ones or the, the A's as twos and figure out which, what are heterozygous and what are homozygous for each gene. Um, and so once I finish that, that's a lot of data cleanup, just going in manually on Excel and changing data from letters to numbers. Um, mm -hmm. And then I have to plug it into R and figure out what that means. Like what, what are these actual, um, SNPs mean in relation to the, all of the population data that we have. Got it. Okay. Very cool. Mm -hmm. um, and then, so what is your relationship with your mentor like? So do you meet with them regularly or do you work more closely with the grad <laughs> student? Basically describe like what your team looks like, what your lab looks like and how hands-on your mentor is. Yeah, so my lab, I'm fortunate enough to work in a very small lab. And I know that's not the same for um, all labs across campus. I, I have a few friends who work in very big labs. They're like one of 10 undergraduate students. And I'm one of maybe two or three undergraduate students in a lab that is about less than 10 people. So my relationship with my mentor is very close. We work very closely together and um, we're always in contact with one another. If I have any questions at all, I can go to him. But I also work with, um, a graduate student, her name's Taylor, and she's working on her PhD in entomology. And she, her research focuses very closely to my research. So we work a lot together and she's been teaching me how to use all these coding languages and what my data means while my PI has showed me around the lab and like showed me how to do a lot of the wet lab stuff. Um, but it's all a very collaborative uh, experience and lab to work in. And I've really enjoyed it so far. Yeah, very um, cool. I like how each person gives you different different types of mentorship with like, here's how to do wet yeah. lab stuff, here's how to do the data analysis and on the computer, like here's how to do this, that's cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, my PI, Dr. Uh, Jeff Picardo, he, he's great for the overall picture. And while he has worked very closely with like the population, this is, my project is part of a, a bigger project. It's just of the population genetics of Aedes aegypti in California. And I just have the pleasure of doing some, like a very small section of it. So there's been just a lot of data done. So he's been able to give me a really good overarching goal on what is going on. And then Taylor has been able to give me uh, a more tailored, no <laughs> um, <laughs> pun intended, uh, a more tailored uh, approach to what I'm doing. So if I have any like very specific questions, like what does this data point mean in relation to everything else? She's like, oh, that's X, Y, Z. While my PI will be like, we'll, we'll talk about um, how to get my research done and what my goals should look like. Um. So our next question, our last question for you actually is, 
what skills did you acquire during your research experience that you that might be useful in your future? So I like to approach this question by asking people like, what are some of the goals that you have after you graduate from UC Davis? They can be broad, they can be narrow, it doesn't really matter. Um, but then how your research and the skills that you've gained from your mentor, from your grad student, from doing data analysis, how are those going to apply into whatever goals you have coming up? Yeah, so what I didn't realize coming into an entomology lab is how um, coding-based a lot of the stuff is. I am not very skilled with a computer, or I, I wasn't before, um, and I've had to really learn almost an entirely new language when it comes to working with R. R is supposed to be like the easiest coding language, and I don't even want to look at Python or C++ at this point. Um, so I've been able to really develop that skill. And that's been really helpful because when I applying to jobs, when applying to um, internships or even working in other labs, a lot of them not require, but if you have experience in any form of coding, it's uh, a leg up on a lot of other people. I, in the future, I really want to work in a vector control center and do um, data analysis and maybe even more population genetics. And so this has been able to give me a really good taste of like what that is like in the real world um, and how it isn't, not, not, I'm not saying that coding isn't exciting because it absolutely is once you get it right, but it's a lot of data cleanup and it's a lot of like monotonous changing letters to numbers and cleaning up extra spaces or your code won't run. And so that's been really helpful, like sitting in and actually doing that on a smaller scale. Um, and it's also taught me a whole lot of patience and gratitude to people that do this for a living. Absolutely. No, I 100% agree. Um, coding is actually a really big part of, yeah, of public health. And because I'm yeah. going to do my master's in public health. And the first, like the first semester, I'm taking like multivariable, like R analysis. And I'm like, crazy. yeah, good thing I have experience with this from my practicum, right? Because like, otherwise, exactly. I would have to be learning R over the summer or something. Mm -hmm. <laughs> And it's hard. It's a lot harder than I thought it'd be because R is supposed to be, I guess coding languages are supposed to be very smart. And if you leave in a space, it like won't read your code. Or if you have exactly. like a capitalized letter and it's not supposed to be, it won't run. But yeah, that's been a, a skill that I never thought that I would ever learn or use in the future. And I'm glad that I've been able to have experience in it. Cool, very cool. Okay, so thank you so much for chatting with us about your GDP practicum experience. Our students are always really excited to hear about these projects and to learn about how to approach research in a large university setting. Um, you can visit gdb.ucdavis.edu to access the rest of the podcasts in our series, or you can also find us on Spotify. If you like listening to the Practicum podcast and you have suggestions for future topics for the pod, please do let the GDB advising staff know at gdb-advise at ucdavis.edu. Thanks again, Elizabeth. Thank you to everyone who listened and have a great rest of your week.